Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Post Traumatic Survival Podcast, a show that helps you rewire your brain to survive and thrive. Join your host, Ozzy Martinez Jr., a Marine, a combat disabled vet, husband, and father, as he shares his firsthand knowledge and experience of hitting rock bottom, almost ending it all, and then turning it around. Dive into the rewired minds of thriving survivors. This show is an in-depth look at post-traumatic survival. And now, Ozzy. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Hope everybody's having a great Monday, a great day, whatever day it is you're listening to this podcast, I just drop it on a Monday. So I, that's the day I chose to say. So my purpose when I started this podcast was to, to have the support unit, hopefully listening to the podcast. I got, I'll I'll be realistic. I know where veterans are or where people that are in trauma and the stages that they go through, but somebody might be like, Hey, listen to this podcast and they're never going to listen to it, but their family members might. And if we can definitely help by you listening to these stories and listening to these perspectives and these sides, then I think we've accomplished the mission of what I'm trying to start here. So my next guest today is Nicole Condry. And Nicole and I met in an unfortunate way. I was supposed to attend the Overcome Academy with her husband, Ron Condry. Ron served the United States Navy with, for 25 years, finishing his career as a Master Explosive Ordnance Disposal Technician and a master naval parachutist. Um, Ron was supposed to attend Overcome Academy class with me, uh, 002, with uh, Jason Redman. And, you know, we got to the class, and Jay told us he had bad news that one of the members that was going to supposedly, one of the students that was supposedly going to join us, um, unfortunately, you know, ended his battle with PTSD. And, um, you know, it affected all of us because most most of the people that were there had 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 contemplated that at one point or another. So to hear somebody that was supposed to be one of our fellow classmates in the Academy had just, you know, taken his life. Um, it was very, uh, emotional. So, um, I honestly thought that that was going to be it. We did the Academy for two weeks and then, uh, I forgot on what day it was, but towards the end, um, Jay brought in Nicole and Nicole is uh, Ron's widow. And, uh, Nicole shared her story, which I'm going to allow her to share with you guys. But, um, I brought Nicole on for, for multiple reasons. Uh, Nicole, because of the reason that, you know, what she shared, what she shared with us that day, what she experienced. But, you know, I brought her on so that she could speak about, you know, what she experienced beforehand and what she is doing now. Because Nicole's a perfect example of, of you know, what a thriving survivor is. And, you know, she did not allow um, tragedy to take her down. And she's she's honestly doing so, so much more you know, better with it. So without any more of me rambling on, I want to let Nicole come in and uh, welcome Nicole. Hey, Ozzy, thanks. So, um, Nicole, you know, um, I, I didn't just speak very briefly about Ron because, like I said, I didn't know him. You know, he served 25 years. But, you know, what what more can you tell us about Ron that, uh, you know, let the viewers know who this individual was? So Ron Condry was the epitome of a warrior. There's no question about it. He, and he fought harder than anyone I know about every single thing in his life. And um, 
you know, one of the things that I always think about, what would Ron say in so many different points in time? And, um, you know, one of the things that came to mind, actually, so I think I, I met you, uh, it was in conjunction with the Patriotic Festival. Was that the same time frame, we, maybe? Right. You for the whole, graduating? we were graduating and we were doing the whole jumping for a purpose. Yep, so, yep. Um, you know, that's where I got to know more about Ron's story and about how you and Ron, after his career, uh, parachute together. So, Right. I mean, we I, we got to even hear your story that on your second date, I think you had to cut away or something, uh, yeah, like, something yeah. like that. And I was just like, wow, these people have such an amazing story. You know, it's like <laughs> I got to know you so well, you and your, you know, from the outside. But, you know, it, yeah, we, we met there and, and uh, we, we exchanged a little bit conversation. Our dogs met and stuff. And, and I, I got to. Yeah got to meet how, you know, also that, 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 that was Ron's PTSD dog. But yeah, please, please yeah. share more about Ron Hunt and how sure. we met. Well, first of all, I think I did wear the appropriate shirt today. Yes, you then. did. I was going to say that you're wearing a jumping for a purpose shirt. Yeah. That's the one from that event. Yes, so, it is. Um, yeah. So I met, let me talk about how I met Ron and it'll probably give you some perspective on uh, my, how much he has influenced my life and continues to do so. So let's see, I, um, I, in 2013, I got back to the United States from a two-year tour I had done in Khartoum, Sudan. I was a U.S. diplomat, and I'd, you know, I'd been to Iraq and Afghanistan of all places, and so uh, you can imagine when I met Ron how that kind of helped us bond a little. But um, so I had just come back from Khartoum, Sudan, and I decided to get my skydiving license because I'd wanted to do it forever, and it just seemed like why not celebrate the freedoms of America by getting a, a license to jump out of airplanes. So I, I went and uh, learned to jump at Skydive Suffolk in Virginia because I knew I was going to be living in that area. And I said, let me go there because I really want to meet people and really embrace the culture of skydiving. Let's see what this is about. And I get there and I start doing my, and getting my license. And I'm towards the end of getting my license, which is 25 jumps. And um, my, I, I had my brother come out for Labor Day. I said, hey, uh, you want to jump out of an airplane? I'll, I'll, I'll get you a, a tandem skydive, you know? It'd be cool. We can be on the plane together and whatever. So I get there, and my, my, bro my brother was like, uh, sure. I mean, I, he, like, no emotion. I thought, really? Like, jump out of a plane? He, he is, he's an even-keeled guy. He's like, yes, I will jump out of an airplane. Like, <laughs> okay. So they assigned him to this short guy there. It looked kind of like a bulldog. And I was like, all right, that's cool happened to be Ron, obviously now. <laughs> and, and we're in the, the airplane and, you know, my brother Rob is strapped to the front of Ron, which is kind of funny because my brother's taller. So Ron's kind of like, you know, <laughs> doing this thing behind either side of him. And they're, they're in the front of the plane facing the back. And I'm back by the door because I was doing what we call hop and pop, which is a lower altitude jump. And and Ron goes to my brother Rob. He says, hey, that, that chick is smiling and waving at me. What do you think about that? And my brother's like, dude, it's my sister. She's waving at me. <laughs> and Ron's like, oh, what? And he goes, well, you think you could give me your number? And my brother's like, you got to earn that, man. And so, uh, you know, whatever. So we, we make the jump and my brother gets to the ground. And of course, if anyone has ever did a tandem skydive with Ron, you would know that Ron is the, he was the best at just making people feel calm and making them enjoy the experience as much as possible. So I like to joke by the time they got to the ground that my brother had basically offered my hand in marriage uh, <laughs> to Ron. He already, <laughs> he, already, really, he, already loved, he already loved him more than you. I know. I was like, dang, how'd this happen? So but anyway, we, we finished up and my brother invited him to dinner. 
And I was like, oh, thanks, Rob. <laughs> you know, but um, couldn't have been, you know, a more perfect situation because after that, you know, Ron and I started hanging out and of course, and then Ron started to teach me about uh, demonstration skydiving. And I, mind you, I just got my A license in skydiving. Okay. And he's like, hey, let's, let's hook our canopies together and do this canopy relative work stuff. Like your A license means that. like you could just jump on your own. Right, you can jump on your own. Okay, um, twenty-five jumps. Okay, right. I remember we <laughs> talked about it, and we talked about it, and you told me if you're going to get into it, let me know because I could help you with entry level uh, yeah. gear and stuff. And the thing is, it's just I realize it's such an expensive hobby that I, oh, I, I can't. Man. Fishing is already an expensive hobby that I have, yeah. so as to begin with, so. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I've gotten to the point where I've reached the professional level, and I'm just happy to not be paying for jumps. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Like, <laughs> so. So, okay, so Ron and I, the first jump we actually did together was my 36th jump, and it was my first cutaway, which means in skydiving, skydiving has become like the, one of the safest things you could possibly do anymore, which you, people would say sounds crazy. Yes. But really, there are so many different pieces um, to the gear now that have made it super safe. Um, so skydiving I, has two parachutes, 100% right? agree with you, yes. I, yeah. I just recently went, uh, I got invited to go skydiving with the uh, Army Golden Knights. Okay, and jump well, with them. All right, I'll forgive you for that. I know, one. but listen to me. It's I'm a They're marine. A I'm a marine amphibious assault. I'm usually in the water, and I got invited to finally go jump with a, you know some cool <laughs> tandem team. So I go jump They're up. Awesome, I yeah. yeah, I go jump up with them, and the guy that other everybody else is jumping with me is like nervous, and I'm smiling ear to ear, and I'm kind of pulling this guy, and everybody's like, "You're not nervous." I'm like, "No, wait, dude." On top of that, skydiving is safe. I'm like, "You're you're jumping with the army, like the U.S. government, like." This is real safe shoots. I'm like, I'm like, let's do this right now. I'm like, so. <laughs> That's awesome. So you guys were jumping and it was your first cutaway, you're saying. Yeah, yeah. It had nothing to do with Ron, honestly. <laughs> but we we had a great free fall. I don't free fall anymore, really. Okay. But we free fell. And then my, you know, my parachute opened and I had what, what I now know is a, a tension knot, which um, is, has to do with packing, which... I'll, I'll get on the packer for that one. But okay. anyway, so yeah, so it spun up and it was twisting me and I had to cut away. No big deal. You know, that's what you train for. And quite honestly, there's actually a device that would have cut away for me had I not done it myself. Right. So it wasn't a big deal. But for 36 jumps in, not many, they say one, you have a cutaway for um, you know experienced jumper about once every thousand jumps. Right. That's what I heard. So jump three, 36. <laughs> so I was like, whoo, didn't see that coming. <laughs> you know? But uh, anyway, so, <laughs> does, so that, does that, that mean, I, does that mean you reset for the next thousand after 36? <laughs> Yeah, basically, yeah, I just so. actually had my second cutaway ever um, at a, about jump 1900. Wow. So look, the so, statistic is maybe correct. Yeah, it's about <laughs> right. Yeah, except yeah, we could get into it yes. anyway. So yeah. So, oh, hey, Via's here. You want to say hi to oh, Via? Oh, hey, Via. Yeah. Come here. Hey, Via. How you oh, doing, girl? Hi. Oh, I wish everybody could see Via. We are recording this episode, ladies and gentlemen, and I am hopefully going <laughs> to set this up on a YouTube so Via is also a Belgian Malinois, and and uh, that's kind of how we really. So I I now have Via. She was Ron's dog uh, that was trained by Rebuilding Warriors and donated to him, and she is a true blessing. And I have her now, and she is just so awesome. So I'm grateful to have her. So Nicole, let me ask you something. So you were you were telling us about your jumping experiences and stuff like that. So that's how you guys kind of met with yeah. was through the jumping. So you met him as a veteran already out of the service. So he was still active duty, okay. actually, and he was doing a tour, a little short stint with the Navy Leapfrogs, and so he got into jumping, you know, American flags and doing demonstration jumping, which was super cool, and he got me into doing that with him. 
So okay. that was really the way that we started to bond in this skydiving fashion, right? So we started jumping American flags and all sorts of stuff in Virginia Beach. Uh, you know, the Patriotic Festival being a big one and lots of different veterans events and whatnot. And Ron ended up, so we, gosh, exactly chicken and egg. I don't know. Um, we were dating still and he had, I mean, I knew, I knew there was something not quite right, you know, with him. When you're dating, you're not going to be vulnerable, as vulnerable as you are later on. And, and let me take a quick sidebar on that. Um, Ozzy, I have to say, uh, your willingness to share your vulnerabilities is your strength, man. That is incredible. That's and what I've learned. If you, you know, people, you people expect people to open up and share with them. They've got to share their vulnerabilities first, yeah. to be honest. And that's one huge lesson I hope you know, people take away from these podcasts. And, that. And, and 100%, I mean, it's something that it took my wife and me. That was one of our root issues that I was willing enough to open up, but she holds up and she's so, yeah. such a quiet individual that it was – tougher than for me to open up where I were the one place I needed to, you know? And yeah. so, yeah, I, I'm so glad that you brought that up. And that's what I, that's a lesson I learned with Ron too. I mean, I, you know, I expect, I was asking him to open up in so many ways and yet I would clam up and without uh, that being a two way street, it's, it doesn't work. No. And, and I saw every time that I even showed an inkling of a vulnerability towards Ron, I just saw a whole different side of him and he just poured it all out. And it's hard to do. I, I mean, he was so much stronger than I was for talking about all he was going through with me. And I felt like, you know, in the end, the weak one for not being willing to share with him what I was feeling. I felt like I had to be this strong person when really it's the exact opposite. You, yeah. you got to show that you, yeah, you're strong, but that, that you're you. willing to, to let it out. Yeah. So. All right. So, yeah. So with Ron, um, he, even from day one with Ron, I mean, I met him after his traumatic brain, after he'd gotten his brain injury. So we had a lot of brain injuries in the military, Humvee rollovers, airplane or uh, helicopter crash. And I mean, um, a master know, explosive ordinance, all the concussions uh, yeah, from explosions. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Breaching charges. And then, but he also did have a motorcycle crashed early on uh, while he was on active duty. So uh, lots of, you know, lots and lots of brain injuries for him. And he, so I, even when I had met Ron, he had those, you know, spells of anger every now and then, and then they would just drop off. I mean, so that erratic kind of behavior it was there to begin with, but not, not real often. And, um, it's crazy you bring this up. Cause I was outside trying to gather myself, uh, planning for my episodes. Like I normally do. I walk in my backyard, I'll smoke a cigar. And, 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 and I was thinking to myself, man, how can we integrate the, 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 I guess the confusion that there is when you're with somebody that's not just a, a TBI, but a combat veteran, because you're talking about what you said, the angry spells and stuff like that mm -hmm. and the mood swings, but you already have so many chemical imbalances with PTSD. And then now you're including an actual permanent brain injury or damage with the chemical imbalance that it, it's, it's unpredictable. Sure. Yeah. And, you, and Ron's case is uh, quite unique, and it's one that every, every single case is unique. That's the thing yes. about this. You get traumatic brain injury, and there is no formula. None. And so so definitely, you know, anything I say today about my experience with Ron or this or that, I want people to understand that this is the one that I went through, mm -hmm. and they're for sure going to be going through a totally different one. 
but there's a lot of overlap in yes. areas and there's little bits you could take out and say, Ooh, that one, you know, that, that might relate to, to this case. Um, but so Ron, Ron's unique part that, and this is, you know, my take on it, but I, I like to think, and if there's other spouses or friends out there going through this uh, on the sidelines, I'm sure you like to think as well that you actually know that person better than sometimes they may know themselves and definitely better than the medical professionals. And, uh, for Ron, I, uh, I'll tell you what, I don't think Ron had post-traumatic stress. I don't think he almost had it at all. I mean, very, very minimal. Ron, Ron was one of those guys who, he went into battle, he expected to see what he saw, he came back and he was like, yep, saw it. And yeah, don't get me wrong, it, it bothered him to an extent, but not like, it didn't keep him up at night, he didn't have dreams about it. Did he go to battle, um, did he go to combat and battle with, after like that motorcycle accident or something yes. like that? So maybe, yeah. you know, maybe there's not a, it wasn't received or registered correctly because it was yeah, t tissue damage or something already. Yeah. That's very possible. Yeah. I, so, so here's, here's how it played out for Ron though. So he, I, I think all along Ron had these traumatic brain injuries and when he, you know, he finally said, okay, yes, I'll go to the VA. And then that happened after he did have an, a suicide attempt. And I was uh, still dating him at that time in Virginia beach and I kept, I had been calling his command and I said, look, you, you can't. And I, and I really, man, the, I'm not someone, I'm not like the spouse who's going to call, you know, the office. Okay. That's, I'm not a step, but I knew I had to call them because it was clear that his executive functioning skills were not working properly. He couldn't draft emails. He would spend, you know, 10 hours trying to write like a one sentence response to something. And it was just, it was killing me to watch him. I felt so horrible. And and I started calling the command and I knew, I knew that because you know, we socialized as a small group and, and I said, you, you gotta, you gotta not be giving him these executive functioning skills. He's got great ability to do a lot of things, but that is crushing him. And it put, it started putting him into a state of depression. Yeah. Cause and, he, he's starting to realize that it's, it's something's wrong with him. Why can't yeah. I do this? I know I can, but why can't I do this? Yes. And that's when steps, the ball just started, the snowball started happening. And, and he went out to the beach uh, one day and, took a gun with him and here's the question that goes through anyone's mind I'm sure as you're as you're not not the service member but the spouse or caregiver right do I follow him I guarantee you people who are listening to this they're gonna say oh my gosh I've been there a million times do I follow him and for me I almost always took the answer of yes I follow him you can call it metaphoric you can call it you know, um, physical, but I never, I never once considered just letting him sort it out because even though Ron said, don't follow me, don't do it. He, I really believe he was calling out for help. You felt he and even if he else. wasn't and he didn't know it, he needed it. And I'll stick by that to this day. I know Ron also had the strength of sometimes being able to walk away and clear his mind, but you know, from my perspective and from his perspective, neither one of us knew which time that was going to be, you know, was that time when he walked away going to be the one where he got the clear mind and he came back and all was good? Or was it going to be when he walked away and that was the last time I saw him and, and I couldn't know that and he couldn't know that. And so when he, when he would slam the door, walk out, I always assumed he had a gun with him at, from that point on. And um, I found him at uh, the shore line which was just across the street from us and he was walking into the water with his gun and um 
that was the first the first time and uh that resulted in us both walking away hand in hand and um you know stronger but i from that point on for the next three years i would save a, a round every time i convinced him not to kill himself wow. why i did that i don't really know but i just I, I felt like i had to remind myself that that i'm i'm helping in some way i don't know i don't know why i did it i just said i was going to do it and i started putting them in my sock drawer because i was like oh, i don't want them to find these it's kind of weird and um then my sock drawer just started like to rattle <laughs> i mean because it was just full of them and i stopped collecting them at some point just because it was overwhelming it was overwhelming and just kind of weird that my sock drawer was full of uh, rounds <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but uh yeah, so that was the first time, and after that, uh, so that's when I called his command again, and um, you know, an, inter an intervention happened that time because that was the first first real suicide attempt, and he ended up going to Portsmouth to the psych ward. Which Lord help anybody who's you know had to go into a psych ward. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've been there. I had to I had to voluntarily admit myself one time. My doctor told me that if yeah. I didn't do it myself. He was going to Baker Act me. And I'm like, I don't want that on my record. So I went in yep. and I did my whole thing. They took my shoelaces away and I was like, oh, why, why, why? But it was yeah. an eye on opener. Gosh, yep. So Ron ultimately went in voluntarily as well because, yeah, the ramifications of, yeah, uh, ooh, yeah you don't want that. No, you lose so, everything. Yeah. So that, that was the start to a lot. And from there, uh, he ended up going to Bethesda. So we went to Bethesda, the NICO, NICO, okay. thank you, National Intrepid Center of Excellence. Right. So that's where they they say, all right, we're going to pull people in from all over the military and um, who've had you know combat injuries, and we're going to just assess you head to toe. And really the point of it, it, I think, in the end was to get these people to get a more appropriate VA rating. Okay. I mean, the, yes, they're also there to help, but really – I, I guarantee you most of the people left NICO with just the ability to get 100% percent it, it was It was a way to fill up your file, yeah. to fill up your record. And, and Ron was one of those guys that, you know, something would happen to him in the military uh, medically, and he would literally pull the paper out of his record so he could keep, you know, going out. Keep going. To fight. Yeah, which used to be, <laughs> you know, paper records, that's all they had. Yeah, so now it's all that digital. Was more, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty easy to do. So, yeah, so NICO, he went there, and then they started – assessing him head to toe and that's when depression set in because ron was and this is how he perceived it right he was told man you are broken and we you were are just, broken everywhere we were just talking about this before i pressed record about how i felt when i first got my rating of ptsd that i could no longer then be a cop or anything like that I'm right like, are you kidding me but why i i'm not crazy look I've never had my rights taken away. I could still, I still to this day purchase firearms and go to the range and shoot. I've taught my son to shoot. I, I, I just don't. I, so you feel broken. It's well, but why? If I still feel fine, so explain right. more to me. Yeah, Nico, basic, and I'm not. You know, God we're not, bless. We're not trying to do the right thing there, uh, but, but Ron, Ron took it this way. And I'm sure he's not the only one. He left there and he said, I'm done. I, I can't. They just told me every single thing is wrong. My eyes are wrong. My haircut's wrong. I'm joking about the haircut, but no, you know. listen, 
Nicole, like what what did I just do before I press record? I took my hearing aids out. I'm 38 years old. I got yeah, hearing, aids, hearing aids. And yeah. they, they gave me a cane one time. And I'm like, but what is going on here? <laughs> so you sometimes you fall into that. Tra- you fall into that. Yes, I, I 100% agree. That is very, you, sometimes it eats you up. Yep. And, and I laugh about it only because Ron and I found that humor was the way out. And I yeah. think for a lot of people, you got to laugh. In fact, we turned the traumatic brain injuries into like a living being, right? So we would talk about ourselves, but then we would, we would talk about, oh, the TBI. And, and you, you can, and, and that is something I recommend to people, you know, take it as like its own thing. It's this living thing and you can blame everything on that thing <laughs> instead of blaming it on yourself yeah. or your spouse or whatever. It's like, we would laugh anytime Ron did something, you know, that was just weird or said something stupid. He'd be like, ah, TBI, TBI. <laughs> And then I would do the same thing. I'm like, well, I got sympathetic TBIs, you know, so that's why I said that <laughs> stupid thing. So, oh. yeah, so after NICO, uh, he, you know, they signed him up for all different sorts of programs and this and that. But but that was the, the time when Ron was like, I really am broken. I'm messed up and I am incapable of doing anything else with my life. I mean, really, that's how he felt because everything he wanted to do was, you know, gunslinging and whatever it might be. Cause that's who he was. I mean, like I said before, he's a warrior. And so his focus from then on out was his, it's, you got to understand also, it's not just that's who he was. It's, and I speak about it in previous episodes and that's why I'm studying psychology. I believe that that is what our brain has been now rewired for. It's, it's yeah. almost like a drug addiction. We want that adrenaline hit yes. of, and, and you can't find it on a motorcycle. And I think I found it a little bit when I go skydiving because if you don't do things correctly, like that guy unhooking me and stuff or whatever, <laughs> lowering me, it's you feel that adrenaline rush like, oh, I'm about to die. But I've really never felt it anywhere else. So it's also I believe there's also a rewiring that once you come back to that civilian world, what we used to call garrison life, it's it's horrible. It's 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 yeah. boring. It's You got to maintain your haircut, your uniform. And are you kidding me? No, I wasn't built for this now. I'm built for that. So, yeah. Well, and, and you bring up a good point because in a lot of ways, I think that the adrenaline can be found through spouts of anger because anger also creates adrenaline and, and, and the, the control of saying there's a gun right there and I have control over that gun killing me right now. And that is adrenaline. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I know exactly what you're saying. That's that's. It's like when you're going uh, over a hundred on your motorcycle. It's that control that I'm holding this in my hand, and I, I could just twitch the twitch the the, the handlebars, and I'm done. You know, it's yep. like I'm going. So I know exactly what you're talking about. And I think that's what's happening to a lot of veterans. Yes. There, there, there are. You have to get very creative and put a lot of effort in to your civilian life to find that adrenaline in a healthy way and it's very easy to find it in an unhealthy way i mean we could all go outside our door right now and find unhealthy adrenaline. this is so crazy you're bringing this up i i so i've 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 had a little notebook and i talked to my therapist about i call that negative adrenaline and then there's positive adrenaline is what i call it yeah and and that's why i started the organization I, i at first it was to catch a sailfish because i've been the way i take these guys out fishing are on these massive boats with either like a center console with, you know, three or four outboards on it, engines or a $2 million 60 foot uh, fishing vessel. And it's a fire team. You're, you're on in the back of the boat. 
and all of a sudden a sailfish jumps. So now you've caught made eye to eye with your enemy. Now the boat's back going backwards and you're you're saying, because the whole time you have eight fishing lines out as you're going drifting slowly. Now you got one fish on that's taking you two hours to finally get on or whatever, or at least to hook them because you're baiting them. And finally he's on. So now you're like, bring those lines in. There's controlled chaos going on. You're sitting in a chair, the, the angler with the fish. You're <laughs> like, don't, don't tangle that line. Bring the rod down. He's jumping, dude. It's so crazy. And water's coming over. So, yeah, I found that. And once I found that, that's why I started the organization. Because like what you said, awesome. I found a necessity of I, I found out that I lived the negativeness. I went out before I met my wife. I, I was do, living the Miami life and I would go out to bars and I would try to find a fight. Or I would try to uh, do something to raise my adrenaline, risk a, do, live a riskier life than normal. And that's negative. That's that could have a negative um, you know, outcome to it. Not saying that negatively something can't happen to me while I'm fishing, but that's a positive release of energy is what I'm getting. And my outcome, my, my outcome afterwards is going to be, man, I caught a fish instead of, Oh, either I lost a fight or I'm in jail or something. So I think it's right. huge that you bring that up. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's definitely. And I didn't actually realize it until we started talking. So thanks. <laughs> Oh, I thought I thought it was something you knew. So, um, so is is that something that he was able to do or no? I mean, you're saying that he was starting to lose his identity as as we see it, and right. you know. So is this is this when the military you know retired him? So we could go into a. Okay, let me take. Go ahead. Let me go on this next piece because I realized we we both were researching the heck out of traumatic brain injuries, right? And what and year is this? Because this is, I mean, still we're in 2020 and now this is yeah, still. Yeah, this was 2016. Oh, so this is still, still, this is finally hitting the limelight at that time because of C, uh, CTE or whatever, the football player guys, but not right. combat related. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, so he, he ended up retiring in 2017. Okay. So that gives you a little bit, so... Um, and he did not medically retire in the end. He just um, out of time. Yeah. So we're starting to realize, hey, we're trying to figure out what he's going to do after he retires. Right. Because I, I saw this going just down the tubes and I was like, what? He needs purpose. There has to be something. And it can't obviously be writing emails because yeah. that wasn't a reality. And so we were trying to figure out what we could do together. And we saw you know, we we're both Scott Evers. So we get the magazine, the parachutist. Right. And. And the parachutist has got this team fast tracks was in there all the time and they're doing the coolest things and there's a civilian group and gosh, they seem to be, be so patriotic. And so we were driving through the Midwest one day going to my parents and in Iowa and we said, oh, let's stop by Ohio uh, and, you know, and, and see where this team is based out of. And uh, that was that. I'm so glad we made that stop because we realized then that skydiving, getting into it for the right reasons and finding purpose in it uh, through Team Fast Tracks was the next step that we wanted to take because the, the the physical activities for traumatic brain injuries are so critical to the brain healing and staying healthy. And so we said, well, if we can get Ron, and, and I didn't always tell him all of my reasons right why we did a lot of things because I didn't want to make him feel like he was broken. But I knew that doing physical things were going to help his brain. So, so I quit my federal job and when he retired and we ended up moving out to Ohio to join the team because partially, right, the physical activity I was so hoping was going to be something that would help his brain to heal and push him in the right direction. 
that was part of the reason. So, so, so let's back to the question about what happened to his, he, with his whole VA rating and stuff. So he actually went through the med board process. And I say that right now, because if there's anyone who's eligible for retirement, do not let someone convince you that you should go through the med board process, because in the end, they're just going to say that you're fit to retire and not that they're going to medically retire you. If, you, if you're fit to retire, then just free, get out and retire if, yeah. it, if they're not going to let you do anything else with your career, because there's a lot of amazing things for you on the outside. People think there's nothing outside the military that's going to be as purposeful. That, that's wrong. And I, I feared getting out of the federal government for the same reason. I was like, I'm never going to find purpose. That, clearly, the federal government is the way to have purpose. <laughs> like, there's no greater purpose than to serve your country, you know, in that fashion. And, and it's awesome. And I'm so grateful for everyone who does. But I, I'll tell you what, there is a lot of purpose to be had in the civilian world. So, And that's when you guys found it, when you stopped in Ohio. Yeah. So we ended, Ron ended up retiring. Um just normal. He had 20, almost 25 years in as a Navy explosives ordnance disposal technician. So we left Virginia beach 2017 and came to Middletown, Ohio. <laughs> uh, my, my dad actually grew up a little, not too far from here, but other than team fast tracks, there was definitely no reason why we would have left the uh, sandy shores of Virginia beach <laughs> and moved to Middletown, Ohio, which I like to say is the shores of the great Miami river. Okay. Um, that's my, the mayor and me, you know, selling the city. <laughs> Look at that. I mean, but, um, I could literally say that we're kind of, I'm in Miami, Florida right now. So we're, yeah, <laughs> we're the great doing, Miami river. We're, we're doing an interview. Yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> so yeah, we came here and, and here's the thing about team fast tracks. And I'm not, this is just, the team ha is about so much more than jumping out of airplanes. And it's, it's the reason they're, they're like giving back to the community in every way. And our veterans are the most important piece. And so, you know, that was a no brainer. It was a great a great match. And so we came here and they are doing all this stuff with veterans and giving back. And it started off great, but Ron had gone through from NICO to this point, he had, all the pills in the world thrown at him. He had all these programs thrown at him. They put him through prolonged exposure. No, no. Yes. Yes. I spoke about it a couple episodes ago. They tried. Oh. I did day one and I was like, what are we doing? No. I mean, yeah. I've been avoiding this for 10 years. I've kind of like done, done good about it now. And now you're trying to like, I don't even know what to call this. It. It's, yeah, yeah. It's not even ripped a scab. It's like, let me stick a needle in it or something. It's, it's so yeah. Nuts. And, and what you said, I, I, I spoke about it before. I, I, at my highest point, I was taking four clonazepans, uh, uh, three Seroquils, a Paxil, and then, you know, my liver enzymes are all messed up. So I got to take my fish oils and my antacids. I was on 12, 13 pills a day, and that's just PTSD. We're still, we still got to worry about my back, you know, my three ibuprofens, the muscle relaxers. Yeah, so it's what you're saying. And it's too many yeah. stories over and over. And that's why, you know, it's so important to have you as a guest on here because you're speaking the side that a lot of us don't want to speak about, you know, we don't want to speak yeah. about ourselves. And so please continue to share Nicole. Um, you were, yeah. I, the, so I'm not, I know that there are a lot of individuals at the VA trying to do the right thing. Yes. I know that. I've always said it. Uh, this show's not from, ragging on people. It's just, we're speaking yeah. the truth, what we feel. 
the reality is traumatic brain injury. There's no, there's no solution to that. There isn't. You don't give, you know, but you can't give it radiation anything. or anything. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of, you know, holistic thing we can get it. There's lots of different things you can do for sure. Um, but the easy thing for the VA to do because they have the sheer volume is to say, you know, instead of treating the TBI, I'm going to say, ah, this has PTS. And by the way, I'm going to give you hundred percent for that because I yeah. can, and you know, I feel bad for you. I can't really give you hundred percent for TBI because I don't really know. I don't even know really how to TBI. fix it or diagnose right? it. Or... So, but I can for PTS. I'm going to stamp that on you and you're welcome because now you've got some money coming. And, and um, then you got full benefits. You got right. dental and, and everything. Order, <laughs> right. But in order for us to keep that TBI rate we're, or PTS rating, we're going to have to give you some meds and you're going to have to make sure you keep refilling those to yes. show, you know, that you have PTS. Yep. I, I, I am looking right now at a box, a box full this box is and i you can't see it on the video it is full of meds from the va now should i have probably given that back somewhere yes it's just sitting on the shelf though okay it's sitting here and and it's partially a reminder to me about what i feel um you know in some ways and i don't want to say this the wrong way but kind of killed my husband i mean i don't not not entirely right but it was a factor uh yes. he because he said okay, I'm going to finally put my trust in someone else to try to help me along with this because they're telling me I'm broken. And he was like, I never. And this you know, little pill could possibly fix me. And and they yeah. say to do it and I'm going to do it. And you know, Nicole, I'm going to do it the best I can and I'm going to freaking crush this. And I'm going to be religious about the pills and I'm a blah, blah, blah. And before you know it, he gained 30 pounds and he was in a downward mm -hmm. spiral and trying to shoot himself more regularly. And um, it's just the pills aren't the answer. No. Now, I think, now I know it has more resources, but the VA needs to help these veterans find their purpose. That's what they need to do. Stop going to medical appointments, help them find a purpose, Self, help them create a new business, help them, whatever it is, but help them with that. Yeah. Because if they helped Ron find his new purpose, first of all, I wouldn't have been the only one trying to help him with that. Because it is hard. And with a traumatic brain injury, you're all over the map. Because yeah, I mean, you don't know who you're dealing with, which 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 yeah, which part of him you're dealing with right now. Because we've said it, there's the anger, and then there's the forgetfulness, yeah. and there's all sorts of things, and it, it's split. It's it's. It, I mean, in a split instant, it just happens. Yeah, a lot of people say you helped Ron to delay the inevitable. That's one thing I hear a lot, and. Um, Okay, one, yes, I agree. I helped him delay the inevitable, but only because we all die at some point, right? Correct. So sure, I helped him to delay the inevitable of death long-term, but I really believe that Ron had the ability to find his way back up that mountain. He did. I think, And if honestly, anyone says otherwise about someone who commits suicide, I completely disagree. 100%. It's not inevitable, inevitability. Ron lived for, in a suicidal state for three years, yeah. really, I mean, heavily suicidal for three full years. And he fought back every time and I was with him and I did, I followed him. Right. I made that decision to follow him every time. Um, lots of stories I could tell you about that. None of which I want to share. Quite I'm, honestly, I'm, I don't want to put a bad fine. name on Ron. No, that's fine. It wasn't listen, him. listen, I, I, I know what you're talking about. You know, I, I haven't gone in full details, but I open up a, a little bit more every episode and what you're talking about is hitting home with me because that's how I was when I was living alone in my apartment. Um, I was heavily, not, and, and I never, ever even owned a firearm at the time in my apartment because of that. 
But I never, ever wanted to kill myself. But I, I wanted to just die. I prayed every day to end my life for a bus to hit me, for me to just, uh, you know, since I was doing coke, for me to just uh, overdose or or something. But I didn't want to just take my life. But then I had that little glimmer every week, every weekday that, all right, let me just maybe one day I'd wake up and I'm like, all right, let me hold it out a couple days. Um, you know, cause I get Frankie on Saturday. I would get my, my son that was about a year old and I was like, all right, I get Frankie on Saturday. So I would get Frankie on Saturday and Sunday and then my world was great. But then, you know, Monday through Friday, it was, it was horrible. It was, so that state is it, for, I have to agree with what you're saying for anybody that is suicidal. And if you're listening to this or if you know somebody that's suicidal, 100%, you can get out of it. You can't. Yeah. You can't because you can because I was there. I was there. I'm not rich. I'm nowhere near it. But man, I think I am rich in life. What I'm doing right now, I I tell everybody that my life before was disaster. Like I said, I was wanting to end it, and now I compare it to a wave, and I'm constantly riding this wave. Now I I live every day scared, and I thank God for I have Jay and other individuals in my corner that push me away from that getting scared moment you know but my fear is that i'm riding this wave and it continuously getting big because my my nonprofit will do better and then all of a sudden i'm like oh let me go to college i'm, I'm a full-time student i'm doing good i'm passing my classes and now i'm like okay let me um you know work on my marriage and my family that's getting better and then i'm like wait i'm not it's not enough let me do a podcast now that's doing good <laughs> <You're> now <nuts. laughs> you know so i'm like that's doing good now the podcast and then the wave just keeps on getting bigger. And my fear is that that wave is going to crash one day and that crash is going to hurt real hard, but I can't, I can't continue. I can't live like that because I've realized that this purpose that I've created for myself is what's keeping me now straight yeah. 100% alive and loving it, loving it. I, and, and I'm still doing it. I don't want to, I want to, I don't want to tell people that they got to change their life hundred percent because I'm still doing it in the comfort of my space of PTSD. I still don't like leaving my house a lot. So when I go to school, which is possibly the only time I leave, I take Duke with me. Duke goes to school with me and, and class with me. He sits all day. I try to knock all my classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I'll do three or four classes there at college. Um, boom, I do them and I come back home. Um, most of my meetings are in Zooms. Most of my calls are on the phone that I've always done for the last couple of years for my organization. Events. I did a 2000 person event that I hosted for a motorcycle event at a chili cook-off. We had 10 teams compete, and it was amazing, amazing. Uh, four, over four or 500 motorcycles showed up, and I did this all from my house. So, But I found purpose in my life is what I'm trying to let individuals yep. know. I'm still doing it from the comfort of my home, from the comfort of where I feel safe because we have that control. You brought it up in the interview, control. Control is a major thing that we live with in our life. I need to be able to control my surroundings. There's a reason why I don't have an editor or anything like that doing my podcast because of the control. I want to do it all myself. So um, there's a possibility. So I, I, I'm so grateful that you brought that up in the interview that we need to find a purpose. And I agree with you. If I know the VA has vocational rehab. Maybe they should boost more yeah. money into that and throw more yeah. into that because if more veterans could find a purpose, and I'm, we're not saying find them a job because a job's not a purpose. I'm talking about, I've met individuals that have picked up wood carving. I've met individuals that have picked up skydiving, like you said, scuba diving. This is a purpose that now they could turn that into, you know what, let me teach another vet how to wood carve. Let me teach another vet how to skydive. Let me teach another vet how to go fishing, scuba. Yep. So um, I'm glad you brought that up. But I mean, tell me, Nicole, tell me more about, you know, what, 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 what happened. 
so throughout all this VA process and yeah. stuff, you know, he had, he was even starting to meet with neuropsychologists and, and I'll tell you, I, I mentioned the neuropsychologist. I said, Hey, I, there's a high possibility that my husband has CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, right? right. I think that's how you say it. Um, and she looked at me and I will never forget the look. She looked at me and, she, and, and it was a look like, that sounds like a lot of work for me to uh, look into. That was the look she gave me. And she's like, yeah, we're going to look at some other stuff first and then maybe we'll get there. And this was, you know, years into it. I mean, I, and I was like, and that's when I said, you know, spouses and caregivers, you have, you owe it to your service member to go to all those appointments. And I went to all of them with them because even if the first person doesn't listen to you, you still got to keep trying because yep. you are the voice to that service member in many ways. And you see stuff that they can't necessarily say. So anyway, right. that really made me mad because of all people, that was her neuropsychologist. She's the one who's supposed to say, yes, CTE, that could be the case. And yes, it's possible our veterans are getting that. Correct. And, That's, and um, now we now we have something to work with and diagnose and, and study. But I no. know. Yeah. So it's a lot of work. You know, that never got diagnosed for him. And um, we can talk about that later a little bit, too, because I want to get into that. So, um, yeah. So that, you know, we were in Ohio then after he retired and. He, he just never really, he was never himself. I would say anyone who met him after he retired never really met Ron because he had already been pumped all those meds. He'd been, his path up the mountain had been shown to him and it, and it was riddled with pills and, you know, yeah. visits to the VA. And that's what they told him the path up the mountain was. Instead of saying, hey, here's, the here's some tools, you have to find your own way up the mountain. Right. Because he needed to find his own that's way. That's the Everybody thing. So that's way. what I tell everybody. That's what everybody's like. I've had people that have said, hey, take me fishing. And and, and they expect that I'm going to like hold their hand and walk them out of PTSD. Like, right. no way. No way. This is one thing that you really got to man up, look in the mirror. And how Jimmy Hatch says, touch the dragon. I mean, I've said yep. in other interviews, I've said, I've grabbed my dragon and he's my buddy. My dragon is my service dog. You know, I have a service dragon and we ride along together. <laughs> like, for real, when I'm triggered, yeah. I use that as the fuel so um 100 i agree with you we need to do it ourselves we cannot be baby like sometimes the va does to us or other other medical things do to us that they baby us and we'll cradle you and med up and no we need to do it ourselves and that's the fine line the caregivers are challenged with right um do you enable mm -hmm. do you enable the behavior you see that's someone kept telling me that i was an enabler tyler i don't know if you know tyler you know tyler southern yeah, yeah, he brought yeah. it up in his interview when we, when we did his podcast that, you know, Ash, uh, his wife was like, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to enable you anymore or something like yeah. that. And it's hard, though. Where, yeah. Where's that fine line where you say, do I follow him out the door because I'm worried he's going to kill himself? Right. Or am I enabling him by following him out the door? Yeah. Am I making this? And I don't habit? have an answer. Right. You right? You're not going to ever have an answer to that. Yeah. But there is a fine line and you got to let you also have to let that person find their own path. So so I I. You know, I went through everything. Do I, I, I started to try to like let him have his space more and, you know, go out and run the truck around town as fast as he could. I mean, I, he, man, we have a great police department. And I'm grateful for them for being supportive of, of my husband because you know, there's stories <laughs> where they, you know, they could have uh, not been so nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's, there's times that he got dropped off at the house where he shouldn't have been dropped off at the house maybe or something. I get what yeah, you're saying. Yeah. yeah I came those. home once uh, and we were living in our RV for a while and I came home once from a skydiving demo that I decided I'm not going to enable, I'm going to go do the demo. I'm going to go do it and not stay home because my husband's feeling 
you know, because usually I would just stay home. I would just get I'd say whatever. I'm not going to do my life. I'm going to stay home and take care of him. Well, this one time I just said, you know, I'm going to I'm not going to do that because I'm enabling. Right. I said, OK, so I'm going to make the decision. I'm not I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to go do my demo. So I went to the demo and the whole time, I mean, I'm getting texts from his friends. You know, he's suicidal. You, you got to go back to this and that. I think even Jay hit me up, all sorts of people like he's not doing well. And I'm out, you know, about to jump out of an airplane. And it's like, and those are tough already, right? It's a lot going on. You've right. got a mission to plan. And here I am worrying about oh, Ron, of course. He's the first priority of my life. And anyway, I got a message from the police department because one of his friends had called. And I get home and there's like a 20-man SWAT team outside our RV. Oh, boy. Now, now this is going to turn out a little bit funny. Okay, so it's all right. So okay. I, I get I mean, there. I've, I've like, heard stories of former friends of mine, SEALs and teammates got, getting swatted because it, I have a SEAL. I'm, I'm a girlfriend of SEAL. He's threatening me or whatever. And Yeah. Oh, boy. So it ends so up funny. Okay. Called me and they, said, they said, do we go? Um, is it okay for us to enter the RV? And I said, oh, I do not recommend that you go in there. <laughs> I was like, that is not going to go well for anyone. You know, I know my husband and he loves the police. However, don't do should, it. Yeah. Uh, just like me. Was, I love them. I love them. Just don't do rifle. it. <laughs> like, no. Don't enter my um, house. <laughs> yeah. I said, I, hang out. I'll be there in 10 minutes. So I got there and I, I got to the RV and I said, thank you guys for coming. Um, all the lights were off in the RV. I said, do you, do you, what's the protocol here? Like, do you have to go in? You know, I'm like, can, can I go in the water at your house? Yeah. I said, uh, cause, cause I want to, I would prefer if I went in and talked to him first and, and I go in and he is just passed out asleep. <laughs> He's just in there asleep. Like he got through, you know, the spell that he was in mostly yeah. and just exhausted himself to the point of he had no other recourse but to go to sleep. Which happens. So, it, 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 anger yeah. and, and, and stress will, will wear you down. And sometimes I remember that. I would do that. I would go on my binges. And I know the Coke would also help out in letting me not sleep. But there would be some times that there would just be like, you know what? I'm done. And I would just knock out on the recliner. Or I would knock out on the couch. I'm just done and done. It would just turn off. Your body can only take so much. Correct. Yeah. So go ahead. He's asleep. Um, I, you know, I half woke him up just to make sure like he was, you know, whatever. And then, and I quietly made my way back out of the RV, you know, like showing them no, he's asleep. No big deal here. Just going to talk to the SWAT team, you know, <laughs> and I go out and, I, and I'm like, guys, he's, he's all right. You know, I'll, and they, and, they, and this is when people started saying, you know, you got to take the guns away so we can get into that topic. Right. Okay. Do you take the guns away for Ron taking his guns away would have been the complete strip of his entire identity and everything that he felt safe in the world about. And I, and I respectfully had to tell people that I, that was not something that I was willing you to can't. do. And for, because that, you never that, felt that's like taking a warrior's hands away. He just, it, we couldn't do it. Wasn't, it's, uh, and it wasn't I tell, and I tell people, man, because people will argue with me. Yeah. But what about the guys that then go into an airport and shoot people up? I go, look, half of those guys aren't real true warriors. Those are guys yeah. that maybe heard of something of somebody. Yeah. They might've been in country, but they didn't. I got to tell you the guys that really carry that shield on their back. Um, like, like how you said, a gladiator. This is, we're not carrying this because we want to hurt you. We're carrying it because we want to defend you. We want to defend ourselves. Yeah. So, yes, I understand what you're saying. Had I ever thought that Ron was, was going to hurt another person with a gun? Then, yes, course, you would have brought it up. And let me tell you, this is amazing that you bring this up because my next person I'll be interviewing after you is a, is a police officer uh, uh, over 20 years. 
And that is something that's happening a lot in law enforcement now. You know, these, yeah, they're afraid to speak because you're going to take their, literally their livelihood, their job that they've worked to create their career away from them is what they feel like. So, yeah. so yeah. So explain that a little bit more to that. Go ahead. Yeah. I, in fact, I even, I met with the gun lobbyists the other day. Gosh, I got into politics now, which we'll get into. Yeah, we will because and, I, you know, you know, I told I, them and I said, I said, Hey, I would even, and I went into this. I said, I wouldn't even take my guns away from my husband who committed suicide. Right. I still, to this day, I stick by that. And it, and because he had to get through that on his own, if he was going to make his way up the mountain, he had to do it with the guns at his side. The thing is, look, Nicole, we, we got to be realistic here. And, and, and I'm not trying to talk to a politician about this right now, but I'm tar- no, talking to no, a human being. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> talking to a human being here uh, to you, Nicole. And, um, <laughs> reality is, I don't. I don't need my gun to commit suicide. No, you know. So, not at all. so you know, it's what you said. If the fear is there that I feel this guy is going to hurt individuals, then by all means, I'm all for taking a veteran's gun, a police officer's gun away. If you, they yes, really feel that course. they're going to hurt someone else. But if you feel someone's going to hurt themselves. I mean, dude, then you might as well take away your butter knife away. And if you're talking about a Marine or a Navy SEAL, take anything that is not round away. Keep a ball away. I mean, keep a ball next to me. That's the safest thing, maybe. But, I mean, a plug yeah. for hearing, uh, earphone plugs. I mean, they teach Marines any weapon as a weapon of opportunity. Anything, I can, I kill you with anything, with my tripod. So, <laughs> yeah. so Ron, Ron would take little pieces of stuff. He'd be like, you know what I could do with this? Like, that's what I tell people. So I tell my wife, she's a teacher. And I go, look, I tell you, and I told her one time there was, she's a teacher and it was talking about the whole school shootings. And I go, listen to me, you grab your scissors, you grab your pen and you go directly for the eyeball because that's it. There's nothing hard <laughs> behind that. You're going to end the game. That's it. Game over. So, yep. and, and so if we're trained like that, come on, man, I don't need a gun. So, you know, yeah. yeah. Now, I do want I need, to say I need to get out of not, it is what you said. I need to get out of this on my own. And I need right. to it what I need is what you said, a program that's when what they're gonna do is throw glow sticks in front of me and kind of like light the path up, but that I I still gotta take that path. Yeah. That's yeah, what we exactly. need. I like that. I, I will say though too, for some people, taking the gun away may be may be the right option. Yes. I don't want to I don't want to say that Correct. not in every case because for some people that could be. Correct. Uh, you just have to know the situation. Yes. So for Ron, right, we went through so much and then he went to Bouldercrest uh, retreat out in Virginia. And holy crap, do I wish he had gone to Bouldercrest, you know, 2 earlier. years earlier before the meds happened because Bouldercrest, I saw my my husband came back. I mean, I don't, I can't even explain to you, but he, uh, it wasn't, was it even the guy that you met the first time you went, but it was the guy that I met the first time and okay. more and more. I That's mean, what I'm saying. It, was, it wasn't even that guy. It was the guy before the, it was you, the guy. Yes. And wow. I mean, they just clearly, whatever they're doing there is working and I'm so grateful for them. And if anybody wants to know more about it, I'll get all the information from her and add it to the summary of the podcast so that you could click on the link, ladies and gentlemen. That's awesome. Thank you. Yes. So the thing that they teach at Boulder Crest is, look, can I, can I use? Go ahead. Yes, this okay. is. this right. is Okay, I've been really holding on. Shit happens. Yes. Man, shit happens to everybody. And for some people, it may be that everyone around them dies. Mm-hmm. And that's horrible. And for somebody else, 
the worst thing that may have happened to them is they stubbed their stubbed their paper toe cut one. something yeah yeah but you know what it's all relative right and that is for them that's tough so this this goes for everybody shit happens right and um but things don't happen to you correct they happen for you they happen for you and how you struggle well through that and use that as a stepping stone to do something even more great in the end as a result of whatever happened is the key. And that is just such a powerful mentality to have yep. because it changes you from the victim to the victor and you have control over everything in your life from there on out. It's more like more than a victor, more than like a, to the director um, yeah, it, you're the director it's, it's, of your life. <laughs> yes, it, because it, and, and and let me tell you, um, it's crazy that that what you just mentioned because that's how I live and that's how I try to carry myself. Uh, I just went through uh, an incident not too long ago, and I turned that around on how I could help those the people that were there and how I could try to you know move things around to where it wouldn't it like at the end of the day it didn't it wasn't me is is what I took out of that. It wasn't me in that accident. What can I do to make it? better you know or so yeah exactly how do you use that to then do something great and then what what is it that you feel happened and that unfortunately he had to go back to that routine of the va and keep that the pills up and well he stopped going to the va appointments i'll give him that mm -hmm. but there was no replacement for it i i mean i'm trying to he, he had just gotten so far down into that valley that all it took was one, you know, one incident and he had no endurance left to stick it out. And that's, you know, that's, that's what happened. And he, man, I had my husband back for one week after Boulder Crest. I mean, the Ron that I freaking loved. And then the one that I try to, you know, look bad at and think of, you know, when I think of him and I have to thank Boulder Crest for giving me that version of my husband because they did. They gifted me that. And, um, but he, you know, he fell into a bad place one day and I know, I know that he felt like he was holding me back that particular day. He felt like he was holding me back. And I know that that is ultimately that day. That's what he, you know, he decided to take his life because he felt like he was holding me back from great things. Um, and I hate, I hate to think that like <laughs> V is over here looking at me now. She's doing her job. <laughs> She's such a good girl. She's yeah. doing her job. I've had, I've been in the middle <laughs> of a heated situation like that and uh, in an emotional state. And Duke did that, just jumped in front of my face because he was looking at my paw like, hey, dude, I'm supposed to get your attention. And it wasn't working. He just jumped on me like, hello, I'm right here. <laughs> and literally what's happening yeah. right now, ladies and gentlemen, she's she jumped <laughs> she's on her and she's licking her face. She's like <laughs> nibbing at her jaw. So yeah. um, and he's done that. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, he couldn't, he couldn't get back out of it that day. And I will say he had not been drinking at all, which I'm grateful for because I would, you know, I just would, I would hate to think that that was a piece of anything, but it wasn't that day. It wasn't at all. He just, and he, um, I was with him. Um, we were at home and he, you know, he just got into one of those spells, the same one of those spells that any other day I would have put around into my sock drawer, you know, yeah. for. And, um, and I really didn't think that that was the day. I mean, I really, I did not think that was the day. Um, but you never know, like, you're never going to think it's the day. Right. And I was talking to him about stuff, trying to get him out of everything. And, you know, I said, your, your, your Boulder Crest team needs you. 
Um, I, you know, everything, yeah, everything you can try. I went every avenue. I was holding his hand and he said, stop, he said, stop. You're making, you're making this really hard. And, uh, I mean, I knew what he meant by that, right? That he already made a decision. Yeah. Yeah. And I was making it hard because he didn't want to leave me. <laughs> I know that. And, um, and, and I tried to <laughs> be really coming at me. Yeah. I tried right. to be, you know, I don't know. You don't know in the moment. Do I talk more? Do I not talk? Is he trying to process? Is it more helpful to talk or not talk? And gosh, I don't know. I went back and forth with talking and then not talking. And, um, there was a moment of about five seconds of silence and he had his gun on his chest and he pulled the trigger and I was holding his hand and Via was right there with us. And, um, and after he pulled the trigger, he put his hand on top of mine and, um, you know, I'm, uh, in the moment, I'll, yeah, I look back and I'm like, I just wish I would have told him I loved him, but I didn't. I was trying to keep him, you know, alive. I said, stay with me, stay with me. I got you. And I just pushed as hard as I could on that bullet wound. And I just tried to keep him from bleeding out, which you know, is totally ridiculous. I mean, he shot himself through the heart, you know, yeah. um, and I'm trying to call 911 and, um, I couldn't get my phone to unlock cause my hands, hands are full are of blood. blood. Yeah. And, um, I finally got them on, you know, called 911 and, uh, you know, they came, but he, you know, he died before they got there. Not, not to their, uh, you know, Correct. it's not their fault. Just, um, <laughs> it happened fast. And, uh, you know, that is the negative thing about a gun. It's going to happen fast if it happens and uh, it happened and, um, uh, sucks. <laughs> I lost my best friend. You know, I lost my skydiving buddy. I lost, uh, my adventure partner, my, my and, inspiration in life, he just and, had really become everything to me. And I was so grateful I had him and that I met him. And, you know, this right now, this is the reason why I wanted this podcast to record. Um, Jay and I um, built a, an amazing friendship after Overcome Academy. We weren't friends before that. And we've become real good friends after that. And he's become my mentor and my friend. And we hung out one time and we we're talking about it and. Ron comes up a lot and, and OA comes up and, uh, you know, just things that we uh, we talk about. And there, I have so many Rons in my life, you know? Yeah. Um, and we we mentioned that oh, we wish, we wish that every single one of these veterans keeps on thinking that they're doing it to do their family a favor. To do oh, their, know. you know, and... and and at the yeah. end of the day, we wish, Jay and me said, we wish that we could show them the destruction they're truly causing, you know, that that at the end of the day, that wasn't the answer, you know, and I'm so fucked up to say that, what I'm about to say that, I'm, I'm kind of glad that I get to see this now because I was there, you know, and, and then, yeah. you know, I know so many other guys that are there right now, and I hope you're you ever hear this or anything or i just hope that you do realize that there's so much more pain that you're causing to the ones that you think you're not going to cause by you being gone that you know um it's not the answer and here's the thing if they didn't want to be there with you if they didn't want it they can walk away correct they can walk away and so if they're still there 
man, they're there because they're there for the long haul. That's what I, and they're you know, never going to go. And that's what I noticed, you know, I mean, for two, almost two and a half years, I told my wife, divorce me. I mean, I, I was in oh, my, gosh. I was I in my spell, every time you know, Ron was pushing me. well, I mean, well, think about it for, for these two and a half years though, I was in my own apartment. My wife was in her own home. We were separated and yeah. she never did that, you know? So that's when I finally then realized that, okay, I'm the problem or I'm a major percentage of the problem <laughs> and I need to unfuck this and and you know figure this out on my own i need to look honestly in the mirror and say okay that's the problem that's the problem that's the problem and so um but nicole you know um this happened to you and anybody else would have just broken apart and you didn't you know you i met you just months after that at overcome academy and you spoke about your story so I mean, you're doing already what we're talking about. You're you're pushing it into a positive light. And, you know, um, tell me more about what you've done because um, I, t I sent you a message this morning and, I, and I've preached about it, telling people that, you know, Jay talks about donating your brain. And I've always, yeah. I've always uh, played around with it that I'm going to do it, this and that, I'm going to do it. But then I always forget about it, TBI. I, 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 even, <laughs> though, even though mine's mild or whatever, but I forget about a lot of shit. And I... Uh, after I got off the, the, the messenger with you on Facebook this morning, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I went ahead. I, I don't want to forget. I went ahead and I logged on. I logged on to, you know, uh, the concussionfoundation.org uh, to the project and list. And I went ahead and I went and su I submitted my registration. And I've already now registered to donate my brain um, to, awesome. you know, for, for afterwards. Because, I mean, if, if, if I'm trying to help so many right now that I'm alive, I think it's going to be awesome that I could help you when I'm dead. So, um, yeah. so, um, tell us more about this because I know that you're, you've become huge about, you know, with this and the Boston brain bank, correct? Yeah. So, um, you know, Ron and I had been big into brain research and, you know, trying to promote people getting through their traumatic brain injuries you know, before he died. And by the way, you say you have a mild traumatic brain injury an MTBI, right? Yeah. Well, anyone who's able to really talk and speak at all, it's a mild one. Because if it was severe, you probably would be, uh, you know. Correct. I mean, you have so you, that you have individuals like Sean Lopez that you met, um, the the bald guy that was he was in class. Yeah. He was in class one. He had a pit bull service dog. Um, <laughs> his is, I guess, would be ca uh, classified as almost mild, um, not mild, medium, because he lost his speech for months, uh, had to regain yeah. it, and now when you speak to him, you notice that there is. He wants to get it out. He just sometimes doesn't know how to, you know. And yeah. we, uh, we, uh, Tyler Southern calls him Captain Stutter. Uh, <laughs> so, but it's coming from Tyler, you know. Yeah, <laughs> he, yeah, call, yeah. he calls himself Half Man. So he's. <laughs> yeah, he can't really. Nothing that comes out of his mouth can really come off as. Uh, no, yeah. Like, so. <laughs> half a body. So. But long. yeah, tell us more. I'm sorry. So tell us more about the Concussion yeah. Legacy Foundation. So uh, when when Ron died, I mean, I knew we knew there was something wrong with his brain before that, right? We would TBI, TBI, uh, and. And Jay Redmond called me up within hours after he found out and he goes, you know, what we have to do. Right. And I was like, yeah, we got to donate his brain. Um, and so that was an obvious one. I knew, I knew we needed to do that. And, um, sorry. So I called the concussion legacy foundation, Chris Nowinski, um, and we got his brain donated within, within 48 hours. It was at the Boston brain bank. I think within 36 hours it was there. Um, and 
his, so they studied his brain. And if anyone and everyone can pledge to donate their brain, okay, projectenlist.org, they need everybody's brains. Yeah, and not just they, like combat veterans. They want yeah, to compare everybody. good brains to damaged brains. Right. And you may think your brain's good. Just right. saying. Might not be. <laughs> and they say they don't collect early, by the way. So that's, <laughs> that's what, what that, listen, that's what yeah. Jay's been saying. So <laughs> I, 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 I'll tell you what, Jay just turned, and I was joking. I was like, did you just turn 50 yesterday? When I called him yesterday, I was like, are you 50? He's like, no, I'm 49, 49. And I'm like, all right, well, happy birthday, man. So yeah, they, they haven't collected on his old ass. So. Uh, yeah, so exactly. <laughs> So they uh, they took Ron's brain for a year. They were studying it to see, you know, what if they had anything to say about his brain. And here's the thing: they came back and they had very minimal that they really even saw with his brain, which just to me speaks volumes about how little we know about the brain. Mm-hmm. Because I know Ron's brain was jacked up. There's no question. But the reality is, they don't even know what to look for yet. Correct. To do that, much less how to be able to diagnose it when people are alive in order to try to help people through it while they're living. So that being said, there's just the brain is so complicated that humanity, despite all the you know, the advances in science, we still know so little about this amazing thing that's sitting on top of our head telling us, you know, what to do every day. How? <laughs> how to so do weird. these? How to, how to do, do this it. science? How to do this math? Yeah, it's it's I it's, know. it's uh, it, to me. And then look, that's why it's part of my logo. It's uh, awesome. it's it's I think. And that's why I wanted to study psychology. I really started then getting a huge interest in how the human brain changes after trauma, uh, after, I mean, just how the human brain works. And then why is it that trauma definitely affects it so much? And, and in, in cases like how you said, because um, I was going to ask you, I didn't know what the outcome was, you know, and, and, and in cases like how you said that show minimal damage, why, what is it then? Is it a chemical imbalance? Is it an electro misconnection going on because i know that our brain's part of electricity you know so what what is it that's going on you know and 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 how so that's why i decided to do psychology because to me it's such a and 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 i guess for me i think i have such an advantage on everybody that i have firsthand knowledge and not as a caregiver like i could and 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 it's funny the way tbis work i i don't i didn't write anything down about what happened to me i don't remember anything that happened to me in Iraq, what caused my PTSD and whatever. I don't remember much of that. That's very, very controlled and blocked away in my brain that I'm so amazed about. But when it comes to what I went through when I wanted to die and my PTSD and all that stuff, it's it's like a journal in my head. I, I, I haven't forgotten any of that. So for me to be able to use that with what I'm learning and then say, all right, cool, some of these guys that thought of this a hundred years ago or 70 years ago, they were onto something, but there might be a little bit, they, they should have made it a turn here when it comes to this type of brain and stuff like that. That's where I'm so interested in that. You know, I, in some of my classes, I'm getting A's because my professors are like, Oh, you're bringing up good topics and you might be able to write a theory paper on this. And I'm like, no, no, please don't fill me up with more APA paperwork. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> but it's becoming such an interest to me that then in starting this podcast, I was like, all right, I could do this now and now with this podcast, hopefully record some of these brains um, and, and talk about some of these individuals. And, and in your case, like the family members of 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 how it is, because like you said, every one of them is different, but we overlap so much, like in certain areas that uh, I mean, it's it's scary, you know, because like what you said, you said so many things that 
and I was never a demolition guy or worked with the, the, you know, in the teams or anything, but the same mentality. I love law enforcement, but just don't send a SWAT team knocking to my house because unfortunately it's probably not going to end well, you know, like just knock on my door and tell me you want to talk to me. And I guarantee that I'll come out and be like, yes, sir. How can I help you? <laughs> you know, like I've done it. So, um, but it, it's, what is it? It's exactly. So, you know, you, you're with, you said uh, the Concussion Legacy Foundation, the Boston Brain Bank, you came and spoke to us. And I know you speak more about this, but like you mentioned, you went into politics. You're, you're, you're moving your life up, you know, you're, and this is so wrong for me to say, I, I feel, but. You mentioned that you felt that Ron took his life, and I'm sure that other veterans have done it or anybody that has taken their life, they do it because they feel that they're holding you back. And most people, like I said, stay held back once they become a widow or something like that. But you're, you're not. You're now proving, you're like, you know what, Ron, you think you were holding me back? No, fucker, I'm going to fucking show you what I, was, what I was worth, you know, and what you're missing. It's, and I find that so strong in you, Nicole, I, I find it so strong in you that that's why I wanted you as a guest, you know, because I think that's so amazing in, in you and so strong in you that, I, you know, I applaud you for that. You know, one thing that I never felt when Ron killed himself was any anger towards him, which I know is everybody deals with it differently. Uh, to me, that never, ever crossed my mind. I wasn't mad at him. I was just sad. But I knew that I had to take his spirit into whatever I did. And <laughs> he, the second that I... <laughs> said that announced that I was going to run for mayor of Middletown, Ohio. I am certain Ron was rolling over in his grave, laughing his ass off because politics is the last thing either one of us ever thought we'd get into. But at the same time, I knew that he was my biggest fan and he's, you know, he's here with me all the time. I mean, anytime that I make a motivational statement or poster, I'm trying to think of what to say. Oh my gosh. Ron I'm looking gives at your necklace. Words. What's that? I'm looking at your necklace. Yeah. Ron's here. He's yes. uh, I have a, on my necklace, uh, my brother gave me this little container to hold the ashes, and uh, so he's literally with me all the time. <laughs> yeah, I got to jump with you guys and uh, jumping for a purpose. So I thought that that was cool. The uh, I believe was some ashes were spread that day as well. Yes, we did do that. Uh, we we released some in the air over yes. skydive Suffolk um, when I was flying the American flag, which I like to say, you know, aside from combat, Ron's favorite place was under a parachute with the American flag beneath him. Yeah. And yeah, Nicole, I, I, I got to tell you, I thank you so much. Um, I guarantee that I would love to have you on an, uh, on another episode during traumatic brain injury awareness month and stuff like that. So we could push more about the project and list and the concussion foundation. So, um, once again, I thank you so much for sharing your story and opening up with us because it was uh, powerful. And, uh, I hope that honestly we could help caregivers, to see this side of, of things and, uh, and, and give them that perspective of, you know, uh, 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 give them that, that perspective of what it is to go through this. So thank you so much, Nicole. And, uh, I look forward to having you again on the show. Thanks so much, Ozzy. Sorry, my video went out. No, there. it's all right. <laughs> all right. Thanks. Ozzie. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the post-traumatic survival podcast. We sure do appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll receive notifications from us as new episodes become available. If you feel so inclined, please leave us a review. We certainly appreciate it. And don't forget to tell your friends about the show. We appreciate you 
and them. Until next time, survivors. <laughs>